Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. What is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel and Lindsay. I lied. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. Get it together, Rachel. (laughs) I wasn't ready. At least I caught that it wasn't recording. As you are brushing off your your camera, you get it together. You get it together. You get together. You're in you're in you're in fiery red right now. So are you in your MAGA hat. You yeah, always keep this it is a backwards. MAGA hat. This is a MAGA hat, by the way. This is a MAGA hat. Um, you're on the you're I see you're in the Pepto Bismol room, so like you're on the uh the <laughs> You know you've never said that out loud. So is that what you've been calling it this time of year? Oh, head? that's this is Pepto One. <laughs> this is the name of this room. Pepto One. Because like you're you you're on the extra set right now. Rachel's coming in from extra. Extra, extra, uh, uh, uh. We really do get excited when people do that. Not maybe the uh-uhs after, but we do get excited well, for the extra. The song would be better if you guys incorporated the uh-uh. So tell me how it should go. So this is how, this how it should go. First of all, you should be the host, right? You should be like the Thank top you. host of extra, right? Thank you should you. be the top. And then you should throw to it. You should be like, yo, what up? Rachel Lindsay, kick it. And then that you should say kick it. And then after you say kick it, that's what they what used to do in the 90s. That's what they used to do in the 90s. <laughs> they used to do in the 90s. Yo, kick it. And it should go, boom, 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 extra, extra, uh, uh. And then that'll bring more urban demographic into it. Audience of one. <laughs> like, it would just be you watching this at that moment. But you know what? I'll pitch it. I'll pitch it in the next meeting. Yeah, well, that's going to be so funny when you pitch that. Like, that will be I'll hilarious. Do I'll do it. I think I you guys. Week, I think the main boss is going to be here, and I'll and I'll do it. Yeah, you guys. Look, I'll tell you how it I'm going to be honest with you. I think we should make more inroads to like urbanize extra. We should put ooh on the end of it. That would be dope, man. See, all my ideas are dope. Oh, it's true. Um, how was your weekend? <laughs> I worked. I worked you this worked. weekend. Um, I think we'll get into one of the things that I did, so I want to hold off on it, but. Okay. We'll see if we get into that. But I worked, which, you know, I'm I'm never thrilled to work on the weekends, but, you know, it is what it is. But you do it. And, but I do it because I have to. And it, it pays the bills. But Sunday was more of a, a more chill day. You know what I mean? I'm really trying to really trying to take advantage of my Sundays and make them mine and really relax and reset for the week. So What's what your did. idea of making your Sunday yours? Ooh, this is such a good question. Well, I like to wake up, walk the dogs, not listen to anything. That's like part of my meditation, walking the dogs. But I got the ear, AirPods in so people think I'm listening to something. They don't talk to me. Then I like to watch church online. This watch is if I have like complete, completely a free day, the right. Sunday. This never normally happens. I make breakfast. I like to do a little cleaning. I like to take out my planner and organize my day. I like to watch a movie with Brian. I like to take a bath, light a candle. It's just very much so of like getting things in order for me. I like to organize on Sundays. I like to meditate. I like to do a little, just like a, it's a reset day for me. Nothing crazy. Nothing crazy. Do you, like when you watch church on TV, who do you watch? I watch my church from back in Dallas, Concord, Concord, Dallas. Concord, Dallas. So you come from a streaming, church that's big. Streaming. I'm a streaming faith member. That's what they call us when we watch online. So you, so you come from a church that's big enough to have like streaming. It's the South. They're on every corner. In in where I grew up in Oak Cliff, you had 
Potter's House, T.D. Jakes, Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship, Tony Evans, Concord. It used to be E.K. Bailey. Now it's Preston, Pastor Brian L. Carter. And then you got Ricky Rush. These are, these are, uh, what's Ricky Rush's churches? I can't even think of it. These are huge, thousands and thousands of members, mega churches, probably like all in a five mile radius. We only have like a couple of those in Baton Rouge. We have, uh, we have, because, you know, we have like a lot less people. So we have International Faith Assemblies, which was the, uh, shout out to Bryant Clark, his aunt was the uh, Ian Spooner. Like, those are my friends. We, we, we talked about Ian. That was their family yeah. church. And then we had okay. Bethany World Prayer Center with Pastor Larry Stockstill. You ever heard of Larry Stockstill before? I have not. Larry Stockstill is a big deal in the pastoring. Um, Stockstill. Stockstill. He's a, he's a big deal in pastoring, okay? Because he's part of like a board of American pastors. Or something. Oh, I see. I yeah. see. He's like a big. So there are all these pastors. There's like a people don't understand. There's like a pastor's commission or Illuminati <laughs> that yeah. like that makes decisions. That's this is true. Do you remember that? Yeah, guy? they have conferences. And he is. Is this a Southern Baptist church? Yeah, yeah. He. Yeah. So he's a part of it. So remember that guy that was in Colorado that uh, you know they outed him. And he lost his church because he was having a member, uh, uh, he was having an affair with one of his male church members or whatever. Like, there's a fantastic documentary about him that was on HBO hmm. that I used to watch like years and years ago. Fantastic okay. documentary about, actually, a two part documentary about him and his family, like having to pick up and completely start over. Wow. Because the church wasn't just. So the just, church just shunned him. Kicked him out. Can't remember the guy's name. Um, it was in Colorado. Like it just kicked him out. Uh, let me find it right now so people can see. Ted Haggard is his name. Mm, Ted that Haggard. Familiar, yeah. yeah, Ted Haggard. I think it was called The Trials of Ted Haggard. Was uh was the name of it, and he served as the president of the National Association of Evangelicals. So that you know, anyway. And so that's when I was watching that, I realized that, you know, these guys get together and then make decisions about church and stuff all over the country. And Larry Stockson was on that. For me personally, Bethany being the biggest church in Baton Rouge, I was scared of Larry Stockstill as a kid. Mm, Very scared. Why? Because they used to do this thing in Baton Rouge with Larry Stockstill. Yeah. So hold on. In 2006, Haggard made national headlines when a male prostitute and masseuse guy alleged that he had had sex with Haggard. So it wasn't one of his parishioners. It was that he had sought the services of a male and prostitute. And it was true? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was true. It was true. Because of this, the church is so open and and, and so uh, it's so godlike because that's what Jesus <laughs> would do. Jesus would... Right, right. So Christ-like. So Christ-like. Jesus would shun you and you know, hit your family up and send you guys to another place and make you live in poverty. Uh, they were so accepting and, and and so whatever that they, of course, kicked the guy out and ostracized him. And we've talked about this before, but the church, but you guys don't want to hear it. Anyway, um, but <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't want to, we've talked about this before, the church ostracized you, kick you out, put a scarlet letter on you, no, and you do anything that steps out of line. No, remove you from your post, not yeah. kick you out. There's a difference between yeah. removing you from your post and kicking you out. Anyway. Difference. We've talked, we've talked about it. But, um, so anyway, 
Larry Stockstill used to do this thing in Baton Rouge where he would come on at night and it was called Lifeline. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. And it was like a very short little message that he would deliver. This is before I knew that he was the pastor of the World Prayer Center in Baton Rouge. Now, I want everyone right now that's watching, if you have your handheld device, look up a picture of Larry Stockstill. Look him up. Larry Stockstill okay. is his name. Okay, now look at him. Look at the image of Larry. Okay. When I used to see Larry at night doing Lifeline, mm-hmm. Larry used to scare the shit out of me. <laughs> I, I was a kid. And Larry had, he's, it's a little different now, but he had a very angular face. <laughs> Let me look up young Larry. Look up, look Let me him look up, up young Larry. Look him up when he was young. He had a very angular face and he would be sitting behind a desk just like saying stuff. And I'd be like, yo, and it only lasted for a second. And I would be up at night watching it. I'll be like, yo, man, this dude is scary. I was afraid of him. Years later, my dad introduced me to him. And I remember like, Feeling scared. Like, I don't he know. Does. He does. He looked, he looked like it to me. Look up Larry Stockstill. Bethany World Prairie. I he am. Looks, he looks scary to me. I've always thought he looked scary. I don't know what it is. Am I wrong? T- uh, like, uh, Trudy, look up a picture of Larry Stockstill. I'm, and I'm looking at a young picture, too. Like, I, I put up Lifeline with Larry Stockstill. And I'm looking. <laughs> You're so I used rude. to be. I used to be. Scared he's definitely, of that man. he's definitely had some work done. I'm looking at later pictures. He definitely had some work done. Yeah, I'm looking. At, Trudy, do you see him? Look, look up a picture of young Larry. His like he, he's his squinty eyes are creeping me out. I'm not gonna lie. Like at yeah. night, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He come on. I mean, if anything, the name of this book he teaches my hands to war. And it's got fire raging behind the title. That's scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Larry Stockstill, I'm looking at some other things right here. Larry Stockstill recommends the Family Research Council, which used the racial insult of monkey to describe the first African-American president. I didn't realize this. Larry's got some issues here. Uh, they've, they've, um, they've, he did what with monkey? I don't know. I don't want to talk about it because I, it, that's a. We should do a whole other podcast on false prophets. I'm not saying that Larry Stockstill was one of them because there are a lot of people in Louisiana that in Baton Rouge that go to Bethany, and they're going to be super mad at me if I say this. I've I've only been to Bethany one time before. I've only you know. Well, Bethany. I want to hear what he said about um, Obama. Apparently, he he recommended a church or an organization that called Obama a monkey. So, oh. because remember, the church routinely accepts racism and bigoted ideas, but what they don't accept is when their parishioners or leadership do something out of the social norms of the church. See, the church is okay with racism. You go into churches all over the place in the South, sure, and you see sure. full churches full of black people and full churches full of white people, right? Talk about goddamn the church. Talk about the fact that. Joel Osteen didn't even open his church up during floods for people to come in there and hang up. I bet and then you cried if, about it. And then cried about mm-hmm. it. But I bet you if somebody in the church uh, were gay or trans, he'd have no problem kicking them to the curb or if they had had an extramarital affair. I'm just sick of the hypocrisy. What I'm saying, like what I'm saying right now is I want people to do it like Jesus did it. You know, you know how Jesus did it? Jesus did it right. <laughs> <I'm> preaching. <laughs> 
You you preaching right now, <laughs> Kevin? Like, you, have you ever thought of yourself as a preacher, Rach? Like, what if you no. had been? You couldn't do it. I I used to say I couldn't be a first lady. Oh, even a first lady so of the church. I, so, so if I couldn't be a first lady, I can't be a preacher. That's not my calling. That's not my purpose. That'd be so funny if you were the first lady in the church and you were organizing events at the church. Like, who are we having to come? Is it going to be Fred Hammond? Is it going to be no? Uh, uh. Uh, Miss Lindsay says that we're having young Jeezy to come to the church <laughs> on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right after. <laughs> Could you boom, see boom, it right clap. now? Hey, can, boom, I, get, boom, can boom, I get that clap. boom, boom, Hey. Clap. Hey. <laughs> hey. TM103. We're going up for Jesus. TM103. Oh. Yeah. It used to be my favorite when they would turn Christian song, like a rap song, into a Christian song. I hate they Christian used to rap. Be like, get crunk, get crunk for Christ. Get crunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, uh. They would always try to, they would always try to make us believe that, like, it was so fun because at uh, oh, but also in Baton Rouge. Oh, I'm sorry, I would be remiss. The biggest church in Baton Rouge is actually not Bethany. The biggest church in um, Baton Rouge is actually Jimmy Swaggart's. Uh, family Him? Christian Ministry. Huh? Is he still around? Uh, yeah, he's still around. Jimmy Swagger's Family Christian Ministry. Nah, I ain't gonna lie. I like Jimmy. Me and Jimmy used to hang out together. You were, entertain <laughs> you were entertained by nah. him. Nah. <laughs> Jimmy used to be in Ketchum Fitness Center working out, and I would see Jimmy. And me and Jimmy would talk as a young man. I like Jimmy. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy was different. Jimmy had some swag with him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Jimmy would carry that. You know that little thing that the preacher's dry their, like the little handkerchief that they dry themselves off with. Yeah, Jimmy yeah, always yeah. had one of those. Jimmy would be working <laughs> out and it would be like he would be catching the Holy Ghost at the same time, patting himself with the thing. Uh, but that's the, by far the biggest church in Baton Rouge is uh, Jimmy Swagger's Ministries. But we, we would go there every now and again because we didn't go there a lot. But there was one point where he was such a big deal that it was almost like a cult. You had to go, right? Is this when he was involved with the prostitution or not? This is, this is involved. This is... So he was the biggest in the country pre-prostitution and then he fell off. Okay, I'll put it to you like this. Because it was around the same time with the Bakers. It's all it, around the same time. Everybody was falling because <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just one after another after another because they're all people. Yeah. And they're all people and they'd fuck up. Okay. So after he fell, it was kind of like he never got back to the heights. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But he was still the man in Baton Rouge. You know? He was a hometown, hometown hero. Yeah, yeah. And we went there one time and they had these guys that came there. I don't know if you know these guys. They were called the Power Team. And they were this group of... Uh, Th that sounds so familiar. Who, wait, who's the Power Team? The Power Team were these group, this group of like really strong and buff guys. Yes! Remember that? Oh my gosh, <laughs> These really strong and, and buff guys, and they would come do feats of strength and was say it like black t-shirts, black t-shirts, and they would they was these really strong and buff guys, and they would come to the church and they would do feats of strength, and they would say that so they were <laughs> that they were like uh like powered by God, like they were like Samson. Find by the way, them. Yeah, Five look them. up the power you need team. To do a whole documentary on it. On oh, the power I team. I so remember that they used to come to chapel. They used to came they, to chapel with us. Uh huh. And they would come and they would bend stuff, <laughs> and 
And then with he, a towel over it. With like, a towel over it. Bite put, it. Put a towel, <laughs> bike, and then bend it. And it was, and I would be Why like, I remember, I remember one day we went to church and we went to the Jimmy Swagger because they were always doing stuff. <laughs> they would have a Christian rapper come and they would, somebody else would come. And they were always doing stuff to make sure church is fun and church is cool. And we get there one time and then Power Team came out. I remember my father was like, what's this? Like, what is this? <laughs> and the guy was like, now the power team is going to minister to you through the strength of Christ. And my dad was like, what are they talking about? What are they about to do? And they started breaking stuff and bending stuff. And my dad was like, you know what? Get your, get, get, let's get the hell out of here. Like, <laughs> these, look, these big meathead white boys up here bending stuff, talking about it's Jesus. It's steroids. That's what it is. And then we, and then, <laughs> and then my dad was so offended by the power team. He was like, so he thought that the power team was like, he thought it was conning people. Well, you know, he he didn't think it was like, he didn't, he didn't dig the power team. But anyway, those well, are my church I mean, memories. <laughs> so I so forgot about the power team. Thank you so much for bringing that memory back. Look up the power team. Look up the power team. Okay, let's take oh a break. Oh my gosh. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear. Especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. Okay, so the big deal of the day today is there's been a verdict reached in the federal hate crimes trial of Ahmaud Arbery. A jury has found three white men who killed Ahmaud Arbery guilty on a federal hate crime charge. Three men were each charged federal court for interference with rights. That is a hate crime and attempted kidnapping. Travis McMichael and Gregory McMichael also face a weapons charge. Now, these guys are already serving life sentences in prison before being, after being convicted state court last year. Uh, tomorrow is the two-year memorial of Ahmaud Arbery's murder. Also, um, while we were gone, Dante Wright's mom has criticized Kim Porter for her expression in the mugshot uh, that was taken of her following the killing of Dante Wright. She's like, how do you show remorse? Now, of course, we now know that Dante Wright's killer, Kim Porter, has received, what was it, two years in jail? Yes. For killing him. Um, and she was apparently smiling in her mugshot. And Dante Wright's mother uh, is none too pleased about that. Let me tell you why I'm falling over myself in introducing these two deals because they're very big deals. The Dante Wright situation was very saddening. Mm -hmm. The verdict for the Dante Wright situation, these two things mm -hmm. together 
are both sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the question I'll ask to you, Rachel, is justice was done in the other, and one justice at least. It was not done in the other to me. I think the two years for taking a human life, <clears throat> like I could get more than two years for doing something to Bozeman, sure. um, which would which would never happen. Two years for taking a human life is just disgusting to me. Both verdicts come in. Sentencing in one, um, actually a verdict in one, verdict and sentencing in the other one. What do you make of it? Um... So this is what I keep thinking about when it comes to Ahmad. Two years since his murder. Those, those three individuals have been convicted on a state level, going to jail for life. Now they have been convicted in federal court for a hate crime, which we know that the hate crime d- did not exist prior to Ahmad um, in Georgia, in the state of Georgia. And it was enacted after what happened to him. Um, what I keep thinking about is look what had to happen to get what, what we call justice in Ahmad's case. Ahmad died almost two years ago, murdered almost two years ago. We didn't learn about it till almost three months later. And that was because his family, his friends, the support were pushing that something more happened. And even then, it didn't get national attention. It didn't get that these people weren't arrested and put on trial until the video came out. Look what had to happen for justice to be justice to be served in regards to Ahmad. You had to have video evidence of him being hunted down. Nobody believed what his family and friends were saying. These people were out free after hunting and killing him in broad daylight. So it's 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 what should happen, but it doesn't, you know, we we talked about this before, when I think of what had to happen for this for them to be punished in this way, it's it's devastating. It's devastating because if anything else had happened, if there was no video, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be talking about these sentences in the same way. They wouldn't have been sentenced. And we know that for a fact because they were out for free for months before the video came out. Then I look at Dante, right, what happened with him, and, and knowing that for what Kim Potter was convicted of, she faced up to 25 years. The prosecution recommended seven years. The judge gave her two years. The judge said that this was a tragic accident. It's hard for me to swallow a judge saying accident when somebody is dead. Somebody lost their life in what shouldn't have happened to somebody who is a trained professional and is supposed to know the difference between a taser and a gun. And they shot and killed Dante. And they're going to jail for two years because it was an accident. I can't get past that. I can't get past this judge's ruling. Judge even went as far in her sentencing to compare it to George Floyd. You can't compare the two. You can't base your sentencing off what happened to George Floyd with what happened to Dante Wright. Two men are dead at the hands of the police. Kim Potter should have known better. She absolutely should have known better. She'd been on the force for what, I believe, 26 years. We've seen what a taser looks like. We've seen what a gun looks like. I'm sure she's been in a high, intense situation before. And this is what, and like, has had to decipher between the taser and a gun. And this is where we are. She killed him. Two years. 
Something that the father said stuck with me. Father said, told reporters that it felt like the justice system was tied up in Potter's feelings that it forgot, was so tied up in Potter's feelings that it forgot that his son was killed. That resonates deeply with me because that's exactly, I, I like, I'll never understand what it is to lose someone in that way, or at least I don't at the moment, but I can't get past him saying that the system is so tied up in how Kim Potter feels, who's still alive, who is a professionally trained police officer who killed him in the line of duty and we're more caught up in what happened to her than we are at the fact that a life was lost. I can't get past that. It's all just sad. It's all sad. Okay, so I've got something to read off right here. Justice. Definitions of mm-hmm. justice. Okay, is your dad t- technically a justice? Is he? Mm-hmm. Oh! <gasps> Because it says right here, <clears throat> the personification of justice, usually a blindfolded woman, that's not him, but a judge or a magistrate, in particular a judge of the Supreme Court of a country or state. Well, he's not in the Supreme Court, but he's like a U.S. So he's, he's a justice of some sort. Okay, so these are the first two definitions of justice that I see. Just behavior or treatment, a concern for justice, peace, and genuine respect for people. Uh, number two, the quality of being fair reasonable okay mm-hmm. um number three the administration of the law or authority in maintaining these things those are the, de- the definitions of justice um when we're talking about so let's take the first one right uh just behavior or treatment mm-hmm. i'm here to say that we should stop saying justice for these people because there is no justice Justice is not what we want because there's no such thing as justice in these situations. Sure. Um, uh, just behavior or treatment is out the window once someone's died for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quality of being fair and reasonable is out the window once somebody's died for no reason. I'm just at my wits end and I don't really know how to articulate it anymore. I'm just so in my feelings about these things. Obviously, society is made up of a bunch of packs a bunch of little treaties and codes that we put together to make sure that we can move on. And as it says in Batman Begins, as uh, uh, Katie, Katie Holmes' character says, um, justice is about harmony. It's about harmony, right? You want to feel you're living in a harmonious society. I think that's true for white people. I really do. I think for white people, you know, um, as Rachel said in Batman Begins, justice is about harmony. I think for black people, justice is about picking up the pieces. I think those are two very different feelings. I think justice being a, a system that is uh, dedicated to making sure that things operate in the proper way and that you are protected is different than justice being the last resort to making you feel like you have a place and that you belong somewhere. Hmm. So uh, when I look at all of these things and I hear us continue to say justice, I hear us continue to say justice for Ahmaud Arbery, uh, justice for Breonna Taylor, justice for these people. What we're asking for is the same thing we're always asking for is to be counted. And that's something different than what actual citizens of the country are asking for. 
they're not asking to be counted. They're asking to be important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're not asking mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. seen. They're asking to be prioritized. And because of that, their lives inherently have more meaning. Uh, this case made me think of Latasha Harlins, which is a case that everybody should go back and look at from uh, South Central Los Angeles earlier on in my life. We lived here in Hawthorne. And around the time of the Rodney King trial, you guys may remember this. We may have talked about it on the podcast before. Latasha Harlins was a girl that had gone in and she went to a store in South Central Los Angeles and they were going back and forth over some juice. Uh, she snatched the juice away. She was arguing in a tussle over the lady. She turned around and walked out of the convenience store. The store owner took a gun and shot her in the back of the head and killed her as she was leaving. There was no more threat. Like nobody was reaching for a gun, nothing like that. 15, 16 year old girl walking out of the store, she killed her. The judge in that case, zero jail time. Right. Woman got probation. Like zero jail time. Like none. None. Woman got probation. Uh, the judge looked at the situation and she said, Hey, I see a woman who really regrets what happened in her store. She killed a black person, but she's mm-hmm. really sad about it. So the fact that she's really sad about it is so important. That let, let me make sure to set a precedent here that you can just kill a black person. As long as you're sad about killing a black person, then you don't have to go to jail. I mean, I don't mean to drift into the world of hyperbole, but that's how we talk about dogs. Let's just be for real. Animals. That, that, yes. That's, yes. That, 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 that's how we talk about animals. We're sad when they get put down, but we realize that sometimes you just have to do it. Right? And I think that if I'm being real, is the attitude that society has about black people. That the, the attitude is sometimes niggas just die. What are you gonna do? It's just it happens. It's like it's a it's it's a it's a part of it. Sometimes niggas die. What are you gonna do? Why ruin a perfectly good white life because of the fact that black people do what black people do is just die? How can you glean justice out of that? Like what should it even what should we even be asking for at this point? Like how do we in a real way, I'm not angry at all right now. I'm I'm trying to get to some sort of mental clarity on this. Like, so when that clearly seems to be the message, right? Guy died, he's dead for forever. Dante Wright, a trillion years from now, he'll still be dead. Two thousand billion years from now, he'll still be dead. Right? He's gone forever. Two years. She grabbed the wrong gun. Ah, fuck it. You know what I mean? And I and I and look, I I want to be because she has a life too. Don't get me wrong. Kim Potter has a life too, and it probably was an accident. But to me, situations like this, they lean into the fact, or they leave us open for the fact that there'll be more accidents. Because who fucking Absolutely. cares? Absolutely. So I don't know. I thought I sat and thought uh, Sunday because we we're recording this on a Tuesday morning about like what justice means. Like what and I thought, do I actually know the definition of justice? Do I know what justice? I, it's a very powerful ju- definition. Um, and I personally think that a lot of times when we say it, we think we know what it means, but we really don't. And I think it's time that we either define it in the terms that we mean it, or we redefine it because in none of these cases. Doesn't matter whether or not we've gotten the verdict that we've wanted or whether or not 
we have not gotten the verdict that we've wanted. We have never gotten justice. The fact that we're into these cases themselves means that justice hasn't happened. Well, I think that we have started to do that, right? We've talked about that on this podcast before. It's not justice. It's about holding them accountable. And in Ahmad's case, yeah, they're held accountable, but there's nothing that's going to equate. You're never going to bring that life back. So there's nothing. There's no punishment. There's no conviction. There's no sentencing that's going to equal what happened. The fact that there's no life here anymore. There's nothing like that. So at the very least, you know, you're asking for accountability, which it seems to have done that, at least in the justice system in regards to Ahmad. But with Dante, you're absolutely not seeing that. And so when you say a new term for it, I think we have in that we say, well, it's not justice. It's about being accountable, right? Because justice has to do with fairness. And it's not fair. It's not fair that somebody's dead, and then, but somebody else is alive. Like, there, there's, you can't equate the two. They, they, it doesn't balance out. So, and then to go back to something else that you said about, you know, like, what what does it mean for us or what do we say? What are we asking for? I think that's exactly what Black Lives Matter stands for. We're just simply asking to matter. That's it. We're not, like, bare minimum to matter to you all. That's it. That's it. That's why I think that statement is, or the, the name is so powerful. That's all we're asking for. Which is ridiculous because we should be asking for a whole lot more or demanding it. So I just want to make sure I, I, I give honor to the judge in the Latasha Harlan's case. Her name is Joyce Carlin Fahey. It was Joyce Ann Carlin when she was on the bench. Uh, she sentenced Soon Jadu, the merchant who shot Latasha Harlan's in the back of the head, to five years probation and $400 of community service, no jail time. Okay. She went on after this. She retired in 1997. Uh, you might think, hey, she retired in shame and it followed her around. Nope. Uh, she was later elected to the Manhattan Beach, California City Council. And in 2002, she was elected mayor. Hmm. Mayor of Manhattan Beach. Okay, she's retired from the bench. She changed her name at the end. Uh, so yeah, she... It it uh <laughs> it was uh she did serve some since the 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 DA's office didn't like it. They said they issued a blanket affidavit policy that disallowed her from judging felony cases involving violent crimes. So she was yeah. censured in some sort of way. But I just looked at all of this stuff together, and when these things come out, I'm kind of numb to them. Uh, I, I'm numb because at the end of the day, and this this is not solution-based. This is just me emoting on the podcast. At the end of the day, we're talking about dead people who are dead because they're black. And I believe that. I believe that Dante Wright is, is white. He's alive. I believe, obviously, if Ahmaud Arbery is white, he's alive. Breonna Taylor is white. She's probably alive. You know, Amir Locke. All of these guys in all of these situations. Um, Some of them are bad situations, but they are predicated by this just inherent belief that a nigga's life ain't worth shit, and I'm I, I, I'm 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 sick of beating around the bush about it, you know. And we're gonna talk about other things, and that's why, I, like, let's just jump into it now. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal. 
you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA, I make calls, I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it, you can work out in it, you can go outside, you can go shopping down in your local wherever, and you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Juwan Howard, suspended for the rest of the regular season. He apologized after throwing a punch. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, Juwan Howard is the coach, former member of the Fab Five. Talk about early 90s stuff. Love these guys, Fab Five. <laughs> um, Juwan Howard was a member of the Fab Five. He was a uh, tough game against Wisconsin, Michigan versus Wisconsin. Apparently, there was a sure. timeout rivalry. called. Rivalry game, right? It was a timeout called. Uh, is it a rivalry? I would say so. It's, I mean, it's, just no, it's a, not Michigan, Michigan State, but it's it's they're in the same conference. See, that's my thing. That's the thing. Is any in-conference game a rivalry? No, but I think when it's a big school like that, it is. You've got the state of Michigan, you think big Michigan, big Wisconsin. It's a, yeah, it might not be on the same level, but it's a big game. It's a big game. I know. Come on, it's a big I game. I know, but this is my. I think we. I think we use the term rivalry a little too loosely. So who is Texas's no, rival? We don't. Who is Texas's rival? OU is the main one. Oh, is the main rival. But the main one. But but listen, it's the main one, right? Like Michigan, Michigan State. That's your main one. Right. Texas, Texas A&M used to be our main one because they were in state. But you have big rivalries now. Like I would argue that in basketball wise, Texas Tech is now a huge rivalry because we took their coach. Right. So because Chris Beard now is with us, wow. Texas Tech has become a huge rivalry for Texas in basketball, at least. You guys got one yes. rival. I think it dilutes rivalries. When we say that you got like five rivals. It's like 10 other teams. There's like 10. Did I name five? There's like 10 other teams in the conference. Like what I'm not saying everybody. I'm naming like one or two. Stop. You're just arguing for the sake of argument. I'm argue. not arguing. What I'm saying is <laughs> Michigan-Wisconsin, that's not a rivalry. That's a in, that's a tough in-conference game. All right. But but you're not the only one. People have said this. I've been going back and forth with people. People are like, it's a rivalry game. It's a tough in-conference game. It's That's what it is. It's a tough in-conference game. UNC-Duke is a rivalry. Alabama-Auburn is a rivalry. Michigan-Ohio State is a rivalry. You know what I mean? Those are rivalries. UCLA-USC, that's a rivalry. Are you saying this because there's like a long history? Is that that's your what definition? makes a rivalry. Okay. Yeah. So 
Michigan and Wisconsin have met 64 times. Because they're in the same conference. Okay, but there's a rivalry there. The Wolverines have dominated majority of the series over the years, but the last six games have been, okay. it's been a battle. So that is what you call a rivalry. So let me ask you, say, so let me ask you a question. When you say dominated, what's the, do they have a win-loss tally? Give me the win-loss tally. Let me see if I can find it. See, yeah, give me the win-loss tally. This is such a rivalry. Since Michigan measures itself in basketball, I guess what's what's what Wisconsin's doing. Wisconsin, who I haven't seen them win a national championship since I've been alive. But let's see, what, what's the what's the overall tally? I don't know. They're bringing in. They're bringing. This is a football article, so I can't. This is football, but it's referring. This is a Bleacher Report article referring to them as a rivalry. Just don't put that it. out there. Uh, by the way, Just put that out I, there. I don't think okay, it's a rivalry. What? What? I don't. You don't agree? All right, so. Okay. At the end of the game... Oh, I was about to say, ask Donnie. He went to Michigan. He's not here. Donnie's not here. (laughs) Michigan people, they don't want to lose to Wisconsin, but they don't give a fuck about Wisconsin. I can tell you right now. I know a lot of... They don't give a fucking shit about Wisconsin, man. It's like... That's like saying LSU Ole Miss is a rivalry. No, we play them, and we don't want to lose to Ole Miss, but they're not our rivals. You know what I mean? We don't really have a true rival. Our rival would probably be Alabama, but that's only recently. LSU doesn't have a true rival. Arkansas, maybe, but not where we. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so in this rivalry game, I acquiesce to Rach. Um, walking off the court, Jawan Howard is stopped by uh, <laughs> an assistant coach named Guard. I don't know what it is. Oh, no, excuse me. Assistant coach named Joe Krabenhoft. Jesus. And he grabbed him. After he grabbed him, Jawan Howard put his finger in his face. Uh, tensions ensued. And then I guess Jawan Howard smacked somebody. Did you see this? He punched him. He mushed him. There's no guess about it. He did. It wasn't a punch, though. It was more like a mush. No, it was an open hand slap. Open hand slap. Um, so Wisconsin's head basketball coach is Greg Gard, uh, who was in violation of the sportsmanship policy. This all happened because Gard called a timeout late in the game when they were up like... The game was out of reach, 10 or 15 points or something like that. And I saw this going around and people were like, Jesus Christ, Jawan Howard should be fired. Jawan Howard should lose his job. Jawan Howard, Jawan Howard, Jawan Howard, Jawan Howard. And I'm looking at that. (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, who fucking cares, man? Like, they got into a scuffle after a fucking basketball game. I could be wrong, but I don't give a fuck. And I think part of it actually has to do with the fact that I have to, as a black man, routinely watch black people get their asses shot off, get the shit beat out of them, get denied goods and services, get denied fucking jobs, get denied all kinds of shit. Every day is some new racist shit, some violent shit, and you want me to be mad because Jawan Howard introduced some white guy to the five digits on his hands. I can't care. Was it wrong? Yeah, sure. But this motherfucker gonna live. He gonna live. The coach is gonna live. Everybody gonna make a million dollars. Okay. Joel Howard gonna make a million dollars. Okay. Fucking Coach Krabenhoft, whatever. He gonna make a million dollars. Maybe. I don't know. He probably doesn't make that much. But everybody gonna go on and do their thing. I don't fucking care. Okay. I get you, you not caring because there's bigger things that are happening right. in this world. However, it's wrong. It's wrong. And you have and you can't just Why? dismiss it like Why? it's not. It's OK. This isn't the same thing 
when the black man slapped and beat down the white man for calling him the N-word in that restaurant, okay? It's not the same thing. It's not that much different. But here's the... Th- did he call he him grabbed something? Him. Are you just he still mad at him? him? He grabbed him and he came yeah, he, back he, he, he grabbed him. They, they started, started going it. At- it's not that much different. Look, man, we got we to gotta start smacking he, people. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not denying his anger. I'm not denying him get upset. The problem is that, and the reason that I said it was wrong, like, I don't think he should lose his job by any means. Do I expect him to be suspended? Of course. And the only reason suspended. is- He was five games. It, yes, I know. Yeah, I expected yeah. him to be suspended, but I didn't expect for him to be fired. That would have been a whole nother issue. But the thing is, at the end of the day, Jawan Howard is, um, he's a leader. And, and, and I think the worst part, but the, I think the worst part- that I saw, and we can agree to disagree on this, but the worst part that I saw was it wasn't even that he hit him. It's that his reaction gave the freedom for his players to get in there and just start throwing hands. And, and they didn't even have a reason to. Like, to me, that's what didn't come across. Because if I saw my coach fight, you better believe I'm going in there fighting too. Because now I have the freedom to do, I'm following the lead. I just didn't like seeing the players then get involved and start fighting each other. And there was no reason necessarily for them to be fighting. There was no reason for them to be angry. I get where Jawan's anger was coming from, but I can't condone him when he is a head coach, a leader of these young men, slapping a man like that. I just can't, I just can't condone it. You can't it. condone it. I can't you condone can't it. Condone it. It's a big deal. It's caught on video, right? Um I was born in... Doesn't matter if it was caught on video or not. Okay, I'm glad you said that. I was born in 1980. 1980 was when I was born. And when I was born, coming up into my basketball life, there was this guy, his name was Bobby Knight. Everybody talked about what a great coach, what a hard-nosed coach Bobby Knight was. Bobby Knight, uh, on December 7th, 1974, hit Kentucky coach Joe B. Hall in the back of the head. Um, He hit him in the back of the head, and Hall said it publicly humiliated me Knight said he meant the slap affectionately, all right? But he said maybe some wouldn't like it. He said, if Joe didn't like it, I offered an apology, but I don't apologize for the intent. During the 1979 Pan American Games in San Juan, Puerto Rico, Knight was accused of assaulting a police officer (laughs) while the U.S. basketball team uh, practiced, okay? Um, In the 1980s, he threw a chair on the court. All right, that might also then mm-hmm. then he actually choked one of his own players out, right? He ch- he yep. choked one of his own players out, and it took <laughs> took them a long time to fire the guy. I'm not what about in it, although I actually am. What I'm saying is that leave your outrage at the door. Shit happens. I remember a time when I watched uh uh John Calipari and your man from Temple. I can't even remember his name now. Go at it after a game. I've seen these coaches freak out. I saw John, go look at it. I saw uh, Bill Cowher nearly throw a punch to a player that was on the side of the, that was a Jacksonville Jaguars player that was running interception back. He almost hit him. I saw a couple weeks ago, Bruce Arians smack one of his players in the head. And then when people talked about the fact that he shouldn't have been touching the players, they said, you must have never played football before if you never had a coach take his hand and go up the side of your motherfucking head like that. I've seen these coaches, these white coaches, the, the Frank Martin from Kansas State, get in a black player's face, make contact with him. People talk about how hard he's coaching. I've seen all of it, right? And none of it's right, and it's, such, and it's all wrong. I'm saying in this situation, man, you guys got to relax, okay? It was bad. As far as he's setting a bad example for the young men, 
You got this is not the boys yeah. and girls club. All right, it's it's like like it's, it's, this is not it. the boys and you girls club. Like what are we? That's do? not okay. Like it is. This is this your, not the I boys and girls club. From. It's like it's not that I big. I get where of a you're deal. coming from. So okay, so at what age is it not? Is it does it make it okay? It's just not. It just listen. It was irresponsible. It was reckless. The man should not lose his job over it. But I definitely think that a. Um, I'm not like all outraged or anything, but I definitely think that there has to be a consequence for you open hand sure. slapping a person like that and then inciting, basically it, it caused everybody else to get in there and start throwing hands. All I'm saying is there's got to be some type of punishment for it. But I'm not outraged. I'm not like, oh my God. Yeah, of God, course you got to punish happened. him. It's Pers- the rules. Personally, yeah. I laughed when I saw it. I was like, you know, like, wow, this really just happened. But, I really didn't laugh. You know, I thought he was, I, I'm going to be honest with you. He, he kind of went out like a hoe a little bit because he hit him and then he jumped behind his team. So if anything, if he was going to be fine for anything, he was from running from the smoke. They should have, this is what they should have did. I think he caught it. I think he got shocked at what he did. Like the, it was full anger that allowed him to have that reach and hit him. And I think he was like, whoa, that just happened. Nah, I don't he should have cleared really, the way and let him... Let him and Jabberholt or whatever the guy's name is get their scrap off. If you want to, if you're trying to get your scrap off, get your scrap off. I've seen coaches get into it all the time. Sometimes it's it, sure. it's it's whatever. I was just so shocked that this was as big of a deal as it was. Just I get it. You're you're a leader to young men and stuff like. Come on, man. No, it's not. These niggas that got DUIs. Jim Beheim from it, Syracuse killed a dude on the road driving his car. Came back, everybody's like, oh my God, Jim Beheim, you made a mistake. Guy's fucking dead. Jim Beheim going too fast. Like Mark Few, DUIs. You don't think people are gonna, you don't think, and 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 when it happens, people are upset, and you don't think that he's gonna be okay when he comes back? Ain't nobody gonna be talking about that anymore. You let that would have been a Negro coach. Listen. That was driving too fast. You let that have been a nigga. Having this conversation after the first, the big deal of the day, I get where you're coming from, but I'm separating the two. I'm separating the two. You're bringing a whole nother emotion. I am. In, I'm, I'm, into I'm, it. I, I, I've lost so, my patience with it. Yeah, you're like making the. You're right. You're Rachel. You're right. You got me pegged. I don't. Okay. I just. Well, I don't think it's well, that big of a deal. You, baby, hit you don't have me pegged. Well, hold on. Nobody's pegging anyone. Got you. I. I got you. It happened. It, there's a consequence for it. Let's move on. Like, uh, you know, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. But I I did laugh when he, that's when I saw the slap. Let me tell you something, Rachel. When white people mess up, mm-hmm. it's a good person that's done a bad thing. Do when they say that about Urban? Up, Is he a good black person? People mess up, when black people mess up, Urban been on the Urban been on the firing line like five times, mm-hmm. though. Come on, man. Um, when black people mess up, it's us showing them who we really are. I'm sorry, man. I'm triggered. I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I'm okay. not disagreeing with you about that. But in this case, Juwan was, has to get suspended. Yeah, he, he had to it. get suspended. Can't do he it. He had to get suspended. If, if anything, just for running from the smoke, if anything. Okay. What's um, the next <laughs> <laughs> Uh LeBron James. Have you, did you see what LeBron James said about his son? Yeah. Okay, so, so LeBron James was speaking with the athletics, Jason Lloyd, and he touched on his post-Lakers future. And he gave a blueprint but what that's going to be. And that blueprint has LeBron James Jr. all over. This, this is what LeBron said. My last year will be played with my son. Wherever Bronny is at, that's where I'll be. I would do whatever it takes to play with my son for one year. It's not about money at that point. LeBron James Jr. is currently a four-star recruit. He is playing at Sierra Canyon. 
here in Southern Los Angeles. He has one more year. He is a nice young player. He is a nice young player. He can, he can handle it. He can shoot it. He's got a great feel for the game. And he's got a whole nother year to develop. So he's not quite right now what you would call a jump off of the screen, jump off of the page, for sure, lock NBA lottery pick. But he is certainly, with development, a player who could be a very nice player in college and maybe have a shot at making the NBA. I have so many thoughts. Um, so that means LeBron's retiring in three years, right? Because he's got this year, he's got to get through this year, uh, Bronny's senior year. Then Bronny can't go straight to the league, so whatever he decides to do, play overseas, go to college, that's a year. And then he's got his NBA year. So LeBron is retiring in three years. That's one thing I took away from it. Okay. Three years, but it'll be 40, 39, 40. Um, is he setting up? I was gonna ask you what kind of player Bronny is, but you answered that question. But is he setting Bronny up for failure? Is this a selfish move? Is he allowing Bronny to have his own legacy or is he attaching Bronny to his? I get you wanting to play with your son, but I also see this as a little problematic. I'm sure Bronny wants to pave his way. Now, if Bronny is not good enough to make it into the league, then I understand the motivation behind this. But is Bronny going to go to the best team that's for him or just the team that wants LeBron so they'll take Bronny? And then after a year, Bronny might be out, traded, whatever. I don't know. This didn't set... I, I like the idea of them playing together, obviously. But it also, I feel like you're not giving Bronny a chance to be his own basketball player. No, Interesting. you just want to see them play together. Who me? Oh, you talking about? You asking, asking me? I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Oh, so I'm, I'm I'm looking at the two four seven. Shout out Josh Pate and all the people over at two four seven Sports. I'm looking at the two four seven Sports composite. LeBron James, like I said, is a four star. He's ranked thirty four nationally, fourth in California, um, and he is the the sixth ranked ranked combo guard in his class. Uh, that's the composite two four seven. Alone, he is ranked number 52 nationally, the seventh-ranked combo guard, so he's top 10 in the combo guards, and the sixth-ranked player in California. They have him. His final four is Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, and North Carolina. So those are blue-chip schools. To your point, um, as far as LeBron James Jr. having his own legacy, that's never going to happen. That's out. Sure, that's he'll time. always be LeBron's son, but it can be worse. I think going this way. Um, this is how he's going to start his. He's going to start his entire NBA career under. Like it's one thing to be known as a son and have the name, uh -huh. but then to be playing with him as well. You're. It's like you're. You're like you got to cut the cord. I don't know. So, I just. I so just. I this feel is, a little bad for Bronny. Does he so, have no say? I don't. I don't feel bad for Bronny at all. I think it's impossible for me to feel bad for Bronny. Well, fucking growing I get, up eating yes, mayonnaise sandwiches. So, it's hard for me to feel bad for You know for what Bronny. I mean. Bronny was a great kid, by the way. All LeBron's kids, great kids, and Bryce Maximus, who's coming behind Bronny, is growing and becoming a player in his own right. Like, is he playing? Yeah, he, man. Okay, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, we I'm, don't hear. We don't I'm talk about him. I'm obsessive enough because he's still, I think he's only in the eighth grade, maybe. I'm okay. obsessive enough to like 
watch all of these videos of these uh, of these young recruits and all of this stuff. And he is developing at a ridiculously fast rate too. And the height's coming through. I think I think Bron- Le- I think Bronny's going to have one more growth spurt. I think he's about six two, six three right now. I think he caps out six four. I think you can tell that he's probably going to grow a little bit more, maybe even more than that. Maybe he gets to be like six five, six six. And in that case, I think he would be a lock NBA player. Um. So this has happened before. Like, and I'll give you an example. Ken Griffey Jr.'s rookie year or his first two years, he played with his dad, Ken Griffey Sr. They were on the same team. There's a difference, though, is that Jr. was much better than (laughs) Sr. Don't get me wrong. Ken Griffey was a good baseball player. He was a good baseball player. Don't get me wrong. He was a very solid baseball player. Ken Griffey was a good baseball player. Ken Griffey Jr. was a much better baseball player. So I don't think that necessarily playing with your father – uh, is the deal here. I think the the deal is whether or not you can escape your father's shadow and whether or not he plays on the same team with LeBron or whether or not he plays somewhere else, that's going to be the true question of LeBron James Jr.'s life is whether or not he can do anything that would break him out of the father, the shadow of his father. And if he wanted to break out of the shadow of his father, playing basketball might not be the best way to do that. <laughs> it might be being an actor or being a poet or being a, the chief engineer or being something like that. For example, I boxed with a guy named Jay Irvin. He's a good boxer. He's a business manager around town here in Los Angeles. He is the son of Dr. Jay. You would never know it because Jay's life has completely its own frequency and vibe. He, he's, sure. His life has nothing to do right now. I'm not saying that he didn't have advantages because obviously he did, but his life right now doesn't have anything to do with being the son of Julius Irvin. He's not in basketball. He has a work for the 76ers. He manages musical guys, huge ones, him and Troy Carter. Shout out to those guys. So it has nothing to do with that, right? This is my actual problem with this. And so I see your problem. I understand that you're concerned about LeBron James Jr. who you know, is probably going to, be handed a $2 billion fortune in his life. Like, my problem with this is if LeBron James is saying at 40 years old he is going to play with LeBron James Jr., then that means LeBron James Jr. is probably going to be in the NBA. LeBron is 37 now. If he's 40 or 41, I don't think he'll be able to produce at his current rate, but barring some sort of catastrophic injury, I think that LeBron James will still be a player that most NBA teams will want on their team when he's 40. Absolutely. If not for just to sell some tickets, I think LeBron at 40 is still going to be able to get you 20, 21, maybe 22 points a game. He's maybe passing the ball a little bit more, so his assists maybe go up. He's not going to be rebounding it the same way. He won't be the same defender, but he'll be a legitimate star NBA player. If not a top 20 player, for sure, Obviously, he's top five, maybe number one right now, depending on, you know, Joel Embiid. You got a lot of Nikola Jokic. You got uh, DeMar DeRozan. You got all kinds of guys out there. Steph Curry. But Kevin Durant's right there. Probably the best overall player when he's healthy. My thing is, LeBron asking for his son being in the league is guaranteeing his son in the league. That means that a LeBron James is not going to make the NBA. Not a LeBron James. This is what I mean. So let's look at LeBron James' story. Okay. Right? So, not a LeBron James, but a, a guy like him. Let's look at LeBron James' story. LeBron James is the son of a single mother, didn't have a relationship with his father, mm-hmm. grew up in a place where basketball was the only way that he was going to be able to get 
or the easiest way, the most likely way that he was going to be able to become what he's become, which is a family man, uh, probably going to end up being a multi-billionaire, a cultural icon, and a legend. Basketball was his way out. He didn't have any other outlets. He didn't grow up uh, going to the best private schools in the country, having the best NBA training in the country, having the, well, he did kind of go to one of the best private schools, but that was because of his basketball ability, sure. right? He didn't grow up being given all of these things. It was because of his basketball ability that he was mm-hmm. able to have all of these opportunities. It was because of the fact that he was a singularly great player that he was able to get all of these things and take himself out of his situation. Well, not everybody that makes it to the NBA is like LeBron James, right? You have right. some guys in the NBA right. that are Pat- Patrick Beverly's, that are Fred Van Fleet's, you know, there are guys that are Juan uh, Toscano Andersons. You know what I mean? There are guys that make the NBA, find their groove in the NBA, then carve out careers in the NBA based upon the fact that they're scrappy, that they're intense, that they have extra hustle. And these guys are able to change their lives by getting into the league. Mm-hmm. The NBA is a place to where if you're in, somebody else is out. Sure. So if you're in, that means somebody else is out. There are only a certain amount of positions that are in the NBA. And if LeBron James Jr. is good enough, he'll make the league and he'll have a little bit of of an advantage to making the league. That's just the way things go. But if he's not good enough and he gets forced into the league because his father is in the league, that means a Fred Van Fleet, a Pat Bev, any of these guys, and I'm not the biggest Pat Bev fan, that just stick in the league, or Bruce Bowen, that's getting the league, they stick there and they stay and they make themselves into good pros and they don't make it. And the reason why I say I wonder if LeBron James remembers who he is and where he came from um, is because that won't matter as much to LeBron James Jr., who will have every single opportunity handed to him for the rest of his life, as long as he lives. But it will matter to some guy that might have to bounce around the G League, that might have to go to different leagues overseas, that might have to do all of these things and might not get the same opportunity to get the shine in the NBA and get to where he's going in the NBA because they're going to have to make room for somebody whose life is already written. Now, LeBron ain't got to do with that. LeBron wants to see his son in the NBA. His son wants to go to the NBA. LeBron is being a good dad by doing what it is that he's doing. A good dad is saying, hey, you want that? I'm going to bust my ass in every situation to make sure that you have the opportunity to have what you want. That's what a good dad says. But at the same time, when I see something like that, I wonder, and look, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I wonder, does this mean somebody who needs that to whether it's the NBA or the streets, to whether it's the NBA or working some job where they don't have the opportunities to, to move up and change the lives for their families. Is this, does this mean a guy who could really go in there and make money for five, ten years is not going to have that chance? And if that's the case, and it may not be the case, there's a lot of basketball you can we'll play. If that's the case, I think this is kind of sad. And I, if that's the case, I think that LeBron needs to think about maybe, maybe what that means. Because we're seeing this all over the place. Dwayne Wade's kid, Zaire Wade, is playing for the, the, the Salt Lake NBA G League team. Dwayne Wade is an owner 
in the salt in in, in the the Utah the Utah Jazz, right? The Utah Jazz mm-hmm. G League mm-hmm. team. Zaire, is Zaire Way good enough to be playing for the Utah Jazz's G League team? No, not really. He's not. Really? No. Not the G League? I don't know what he's. No. I don't know how he is. No. G League. Let's be real. Not really. No. Nah, he's not. Not in any real way. He he he. I okay. like, but but the reality is, it's guys who need that G League look. So sure. Just that's a downside to all of this stuff. Yeah. Thing is, we'll never know. We'll never know if Bronny booted out somebody who really needed it. We really won't. Having said that, Bronny's a nice player. I just like the name Bronny. Bronny's a nice player. Bronny, he's a nice little player, man. And he's getting better. He's getting better. I know some people think that Bronny's all hype. He's not all hype. There is hype. There's a lot of hype. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of hype. But <laughs> he can also play. Let's take a break. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes has arrived in IMAX. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right. Did you see uh, Matt James sexually assault someone during the celebrity game? Stop, stop. I'm not, <laughs> what? I'm not what? sexually assault. You didn't see that? Are we really going to talk about this? Yeah, sure. Yes, I saw it. Mm-hmm. What is there to talk about? He did it. He didn't know he did it. He apologized. She's come out and said he did. She's like, get over it. She said, get over it. Yeah, I know. That's probably... I'll be honest with you. Here's a Matt James thing. <laughs> As a Matt James fan? I'm not. A, no, said? I never said that. This is the Matt James thing. I have to be honest with you. This is just something that a winnerific man would do. It's just, it's like, how you going in this day and age accidentally touch a titty? He's a titty tapper. Like, he's okay. a Matt, Matt the weenie titty tapper James. Titty tapper James. He's a titty tapper. Like, how how could you what? tap a titty in this day? And then look, the look on her face as she went back, you poor know, thing. It made it worse. Poor thing. She poor didn't thing. sign up for that. That's something that, first of all, that's something that would only happen this is part of being a weenie. I'll be honest with you. Part of being a weenie is low awareness. You know what I'm saying? Part of being a weenie is low awareness. It's having a low awareness. Somebody keep a tab of the definition, definition, the higher learning definition of a weenie. There's a somebody write this out. Redditors, put it up. Nah, put definition oh, of no, a weenie. Nah, me and Reddit, we me and Reddit broke up. Fuck Reddit. But you, you got mad at them again. I'm not. I'm not 
the the, Fan, the the Reddit. You love it. You the, love it. You love it's a love hate. He'll be back, guys. No, don't don't take it seriously. No, no more. He'll be back. No, me and Reddit have broken up. Uh, that's still you guys go sign up for the Thought Warriors Reddit, but <laughs> the Thought Warriors Reddit is just they 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 just they hate me. So it's a it's a I'm almost doing things to be I'm off the I'm off the Reddit. I'm anti Thought Warriors Reddit. Those are my enemies. Um, he can't help. But look, you know you ever been around somebody and they don't know where they at. Explain. Like you've been around somebody and they don't know how to act based upon where they at. Like okay, sure, yeah. Sure, like sure, you sure, in sure, church sure. and you know you bring your homie with the church. He go, bro, shit, Kobe just dunked on this nigga. You're like, hey, bro, not in front of Moses, man. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, put your phone away, bro. Fucking baby Jesus is here. Like you're making everybody look at us. Or at a funeral, you know they do something crazy, and like you, we we know this, right? They they go up there and they say. I went to college with this man and he was hitting all the hoes. They're going to miss him so much. You know, just something like that. It's happened. That's it's wienerific. Happened. It's happened. <laughs> That's like wienerific behavior, not knowing where you're at. And in this situation, low situational awareness by Matt James as he, during the celebrity game. By the way, how many points did he have in the celebrity game? How many points did he score? Do you know? I don't know. I'm bitter because I wanted to play in the celebrity game years want- ago. And they said no? They told me no. <laughs> what they told you, me no you reached out when i came when i came off the bachelorette i was like i want to play i wonder what i don't know what year that was whatever wherever it was in 2018 i was like i want to play in the celebrity game and they were like no you know what's interesting about that A hard no what's interesting but, about that is that like what 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 well Wait a minute. The celebrity game airs on that's on TNT, right? So it's not the same family. No, not the same family. So if it if it had been an ESPN thing, or is it on ESPN? Is the celebrity game on ESPN or TNT? It's TNT. It's TNT. Okay. So if, if that's not the But at the time I wasn't but at the time I wasn't even working for ESPN. But yes, it's in the ABC family. Yes. Yeah. So they're, they're, it's not in the same family. That's fucked up. Did they just say you you asked them and they, they sent an email let me back? See who was on the squad? Let me see. No, I didn't add PR. Somebody did. Hold on. Let me see. Let me see who was on the squad. Let's see who made it in 2018 over H. What were the whip? Stephanie? Stephanie uh, Dawson. Or is it Dawson? I don't know who that is. Uh, Chicago Sky. Chicago Sky. Okay. WNBA. I'm looking at the women. I'm looking at the women. Dasha Polanco. Okay. Or just New Black. She's bigger than you. Keep going. She's she's bigger than me, but I play at least played some basketball. Rachel Demita. Uh huh. I don't know who that is. NB, NBA 2K TV host. Okay. And Candace Parker. I mean, come on. <laughs> Wait, those are the women? Those were the women. Wait, that's not fair. They got two WNBA players in there. I know. They they used to have WNBA players play. I mean, they I just, still do, but I'm what I'm saying, like, what I'm saying is. They could have got you out of there and like let you like let you play a little bit, let you get your little thing on. And Rachel Nichols and Katie Nolan were the coaches. Rachel Nichols and Katie. Also, it, this was definitely, definitely like a we got to get our shit up, and it's kind of like a deal. Are you sure the, the celebrity game getting on ESPN? Are you sure it's uh, not? Maybe maybe it was since since Rachel Nichols got to be and Katie coach. Nolan too because she was ESPN as well. Yep, it was on ESPN. Yeah, it, yep, was on ESPN. it was on ESPN. So that so that yep. tells you they really wasn't fucking with you because 
That's the same family of networks. I asked. Like you, I asked. And they said no. That's fucked up. But look. I asked. Back to Matt James because you're trying to deflect from this, this criticism. No, I'm not. I'm asking you a question about I'm asking you a question about him. If was this Wienerific. What was Wienerific? Did you see? Did you see how he went dressed? No, what or did something? he do? I don't know what event was. What was it? He went like LeBron. He went dressed just as LeBron James did for his draft. In uh, what year was that? 2000, 2003. Yeah. Here's the thing. Okay. Let me let me tell you guys what I mean when I say weenie. Okay, and then we can move on from this. Weenie's not a bad. He's not a. My James is not a bad guy. He's a good guy, right? You can tell he's a good guy, got a good heart, you know, embarrassed his dad on TV. Like, you can tell, like, he's a good guy, got a good heart. But you can't tell me that some of these actions aren't the tales of an Oscar Mayer. You can't tell me. He looks back. He didn't even look back. He just put his hand out and hit somebody. Because he was embarrassed. No, I'm talking about, look, if you if you tap a titty, you gotta make you have to have a public titty mea culpa right then. If you a titty tapper, the TT not a mea culpa. You have to have a col- you have to have a public <laughs> mea culpa right there. You can't let her walk around that pl- that spot on her tit where it was tapped was probably hot because she felt violated for the oh rest of the game. And like once you know that that happens, you have to go. She said it's not that big of a deal. I'm sh- of course she's not gonna make a big deal now, but that's not what her face said. And her face said, I was like, yo, I didn't tell you to tap. Tap tapity? Gregory Hines? I didn't tell you to do that. I did not give you permission to tap it, to tap, tap, <laughs> tap it, tap, tap it in. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Gregory I, I Hines? You know, you know, I, didn't, I, I didn't give you permission <laughs> to do that. He has to come on this podcast and answer for this. Matt James has hey, to come, come on, on this podcast. The TTW, the Titty Tapping Weenie has to come on this podcast and answer. Greg, he has to I'm answer for Hines. tapping Ben Vereen, ben Sammy Vereen. Davis Jr., <laughs> all of these people, a bunch of tappers. Uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Savion Glover. He's Savion Chloe Arnold. All of these people, they're tappers. Tap to tap it and tap. All right, shout out to Trevor Jackson, who's right now starring in the off-Broadway promo, uh, uh, production of the Tap Dance Kid. All right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trevor Jackson's in the tap dance kid. <laughs> He's in the tap dance kid. You can't just tap a titty like an act like ain't nothing happened. You tapped a titty. It's a day's day and age. You got to be held accountable, bro. They held Jawan. They held Jawan Howard accountable. Was, I think he was mortified. Mortified that happened. It don't seem like it to me. To it seemed like to me that he laughed it off. I needed a no tap apology. I needed a no tap apology. <laughs> And I needed him to like put his hand in scalding hot water or something like that to like let us know that he has absolution. He, 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 he like nothing. I just want you to know that Matt James did apologize for touching her. What did he say? Give me the apology. Um, I want to know what it said. He said, "Hold on. Oh wait, maybe, maybe he. Wait, no, wait. This is something else. Yes, yeah. Where is it? She said that he apologized." Okay, okay. She said, I needed him to come out and apologize. If nothing, because he didn't try to do it, but if nothing more than for not knowing where he was at, weederific, weederific behavior. Anyway, um, did you see my tweet? Yes, I saw your tweet. Man, like, listen, listen. 
it's not that we don't acknowledge that the, that these things happen, okay? It's not that we don't acknowledge that our mothers performed sexual acts with our fathers. The thing is, is we don't want to talk about it because we don't have to talk about it. It doesn't benefit us anyway. It doesn't in any way. It doesn't do us any favors. Like we don't need to talk about what our parents did or didn't do sexually. I'm sorry. Mm. I'm sorry. And you don't, and it's one thing, if you want to think that in your head and keep that to yourself, do it. But to subject all of us to that on your social media, and you've said something similar to that before on this podcast, it's just unnecessary and inappropriate. And I don't want to see it. Okay. Uh, don't want to see it. I think it's important to talk about. Why? I have an answer if you really want to hear it or if you just want to scold me. And reprimand me. No, no, no. You acted like I touched. Why is it you important? Like I the key the word team. is important. I didn't do it. Important Matt James did it. For us to talk I didn't touch about. nobody. You said it was important for us to talk about. I think Please it's explain vital the that we talk about it. Okay. So our parents, right? This is what happens. This is the difference between youth and age. When you're young, you want experiences, right? You want experiences. Hey, let's go to South Padre Island. Hey, man, let's go to Galveston. It's Kappa Beach Party. Let's go to the Bayou Classic. Let's go to all of this. Hey, 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 I want to go and hang out with my friends in the dorm and we can watch Sex in the City. Hey, man, I want to go and play football intramurally. You know, when you're young, you want experiences, right? That's what life is about. Let's do as much stuff. You have all this energy. You have all this exuberance. You have all of this time to do these things, right? When you're older, mm -hmm. you want control. Because at this point, your life has fallen into a series of recognizable rhythms. And more than anything, you don't want these rhythms disturbed. On top of that, by the time you've gotten some age on you, you've seen other people in your life that have fallen victim to a lot of the things that you have managed to not fall victim to. Or maybe you have and you've just gotten over them. You've seen people get popped off on drugs. You've seen people go too crazy with sex. You've seen people go too crazy with spending money. You've seen people go too crazy with all of this stuff. So what you do when you get a little older is you tell your kids, I've seen people go crazy with too many drugs, no drugs, even though you did drugs when you were young. You tell your kids, you say, I've seen people ruin their lives with sex. No sex, even though you had sex when you were young. All of these things, right? You want to control and you want to protect your kids because they're your kids. And you don't want them to make the same mistakes and have the same experiences that you have, even though those mistakes and those experiences are part of life. So what you then do is act like these things that are done are things that you never did. And while we don't want to talk about that stuff because that stuff seems icky to talk about, the reality is I believe talking about these things with our parents would help us see them as more 360-degree people. Tell you what I mean. Maybe if you knew that your mom used to love to have sex and maybe still loves to have sex and that she had a lot of sex, maybe you would view your mother as a 360-degree person and not just a virtue machine. That's there to answer all your problems and wipe your tears when you cry. Maybe you look at your mother as somebody that has her own life, her own hopes, her own dreams, her whole, her own aspirations, her own goals. When my father died, I would always say my dad died. 
said this on the podcast before, but I would never say that Van Lathan Sr. died. The entire guy, a 360-degree individual who exists not just as a part of my life but outside it, and maybe if I had a better understanding of those experiences that he had had, sexual, the failings, and all of that stuff, I could look at him as more of a guy and not just a god. And I would be, it would be easier for me even right now to reconcile not having him around. And when I think about the fact that our mothers gave our fathers blowjobs, and not just because they were married, because they liked to do it, I think about what are the things that our mothers and our fathers like to do that we don't know about them? How much do we know about them as people? And holding sex as something that is actually too disgusting to talk to your parents about or too nasty to go into graphic detail with your parents about because you could never see your parents doing these things is something to me that deifies them in a way that leads sex itself to be inherently repressed and not expressed in the way that it should be. I'll give you an example. Could you imagine Jesus having sex, right? Never talks about that. You can't imagine Jesus having sex. That makes Jesus something more than a man because that's something that that people are supposed to want to do. Your mom's not supposed to want to fuck. She's not supposed to want look at your dad and be like, I want that dick, judge. Your mom's not supposed to want to do that because your mom's supposed to be like a God figure. She's not. She's a person. And sex is not something that defiles you. It's something that people do. So when I said that, people think that it was just crazy old Van being crazy again. And to a degree it was. But at the same time, I'm looking for ways to actually legislate these things inside of society that we really deal with, that we really need to talk about, and how to get closer in knowing to these people that we claim we are the closest in our lives to. Right now, my mother is 66 years old. She had a birthday not too long ago. She just turned 66. I love you, mom. You know what I want for my mom? What I want for my mom is for her to have an orgasm for her birthday. I sent her a bike. I paid for an electric bike. I put an e-bike on her so she can ride around. I hope that my mother rides that e-bike to go get some dick. I hope that she is full and happy and expressive and that everything about her fucking life is being screamed out loud from the mountaintop. I don't want her to be celibate or repressed or not have any more experiences because my dad isn't here around. I want my mom to come and I want her to be happy doing it. I want that for her. All life, 360, there's not a part of her life I want her to feel like she can't talk or share with me about. And the reality is this, not just my mother, your mothers, your mothers and your fathers, I want them to express themselves the way that they are. I want all your mothers to have amazing orgasms. I want all your mothers to be able to talk to you about the times in college they just wild the fuck out. The time that they went to New York and fucked three guys in the same weekend. I want them to talk to you about that in the same way that they talk to you about the fact of what you shouldn't be doing or who you should be worshiping or what else that you should be doing. I want all of these people to be able to get this stuff off their chest. I think it's important. The last thing I'll say about this, because I knew that people would get at me about this, is when I say things like this in the way that I say them, it's not for you to like them. 
seen what's been going on on the Reddit and people are saying whatever I'm doing. No, I know what's in my mind. I don't want to be liked on the Reddit. I don't want to be comfortable to people. I want people to think what the fuck is going on in his mind because I had a conversation with my mother and the conversation I had with her, it just made me want more for her. And I want more for you. I want more for the people out there Mm. that think that they can't talk about these things. We got to talk about them. That's it. That's the whole rant. And And I need the rant in full. Okay, great. Clip it, cut it for him. Because, ladies and gentlemen, what you have just witnessed is the art of manipulation. Okay? That's what, that's all that I got from that entire thing. That was the most manipulative five to six minutes that I might have ever heard from you. You're not, your mind isn't open to it. I don't see how it's manipulating. Oh, 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 because you're trying to justify this wild tweet that you put out there. You didn't read, did you see it on Instagram? I said that in the Insta- in Instagram in the caption. This is really how are you gonna tell re- me you're white you white man? If you said all that, if you said all, if you said all that, in, if you said all that in the caption, there was no way I was reading that. I saw it on Twitter. I didn't see what you wrote on Instagram. I'm sorry, I didn't see it. Hmm. I saw what you wrote on Instagram. I mean, on um, Twitter. I didn't no, read the caption. If you re- on I, the I, caption on Instagram, I said all of these things. This is the reason why I tweeted. Oh, that. I would have. Ne- I would have never read that. Yeah. I would have never read that. Sure. Let me just look that up real quick. I would never read that. That's a you just went on a five to six minute ramp. Yeah, because I can't thing. I can't rant on Twitter like that. You don't tell me. Hold on, how are you gonna tell me what I think? That's how are you gonna tell me that I'm manipulating people? How are you gonna tell me what I think? No, you're out of That's line. That's how I felt. That's how I felt listening to that. Because here's the thing: everything that you said, if you want all those things and you feel like you need that particular information to get a 360 view of your mother, then that is subjective to you. Mm-hmm. But you can't put that on everybody else and think that they need graphic sexual details of their mother's past, present, and potential future life in order to get a full view of who they really are. I don't need to hear that. I don't I don't even yeah, want to hear all that from it. my friends. From my best friends. That's because you think know. something's I wrong get, with sex. No, no. I get actually once again, ladies and gentlemen, he didn't read my book. Yeah. Because I have an entire chapter about it, which you too said that I was given too much information about about sex in the book, which I yeah. really wasn't. Well, then why would but you have, have a entire, problem with it? Why would you have, have a problem enti- with no, it? No, no, you're not listening you to me. To I have an entire essay based on the missed sex sexual education. I do think that we should normalize the conversation of, of, of I don't I condemn purity culture and I talk about normalizing the conversation normalizing the conversation about sex. However, that doesn't mean necessarily that I need the graphic details to understand certain things or get to know I didn't say the a person details. better. You did say graphic details. When you did, you literally said graphic. No, I know. Like, but what I'm talking about is I just need to know to me if my mom it's subjective. if my mom wants to sit down and talk about all of that stuff, that's fine. It's whatever. I don't really care about that. Like, once again, I'm not really, that doesn't bother me. I'm not hung up on that, right? And to that's me, fine. It's not that it bothers. I don't even want to hear that from my friends necessarily. I, know. I don't want to hear that. I know. You, you, this is the deal. But we're talking about the relationship that we have with the conference. This is good. I understand that. We're talking about the relationship that we have with the conference. See, none of that stuff is disgusting to me. It's, it's, it's not, it's, but we have different sensibilities. It's not that it's disgusting to me personally, because I'm not saying that I don't do it. I'm just saying that I don't necessarily need to hear that too, because your whole purpose of it was you want the whole 360. You want all of it. Nah. You want to know this. What, no? What I said, no, what I said was maybe if, I said maybe if we had the conversation, and look, I could be wrong, but, Oh, by the way, no, finish making your point. 
And then finish making no, your point. My, but you, my, you're, my saying, point you're saying you're saying that I'm trying to manipulate people, which is acting as if you know what I really want to do when I don't. And that's like actually taking away. Really, I'm gonna be honest with you. I resent that because I mean what. Oh, oh, I absolutely do. Because I mean Go what. Ahead. Because I'm I mean what I'm saying. Like actually mean what I'm saying. And you're saying that I don't in order to justify a tweet. By the way, I don't have to justify a tweet to anyone. You don't have to justify a tweet to anyone. Right. Also, didn't realize you were taking it that serious. It was a wild tweet. I'm responding. Not taking it to you seriously. A, I'm saying, and I'm and I'm you, and I'm responding. Like, no, I'm responding to you in a more of a way. Like, you're trying to. Maybe I'm using the wrong words. Maybe manipulate. Like, I'm more so being light with it and saying that you put out this tweet. It got a huge reaction. I'm not saying I'm offended by it by any means. Because I'm not taking it seriously. I'm just saying we don't need all that type of information. I know. I, so I don't have a problem with anyone having a problem with the tweet. I really don't. But what I will, what I do have a problem with and will have a problem with the same way that you had a problem on the podcast when I came on the podcast and made with your voice. What I do have a problem with is being mischaracterized. I don't, I'm not, I didn't put that out there for any reason. And especially if I'm going to come on the podcast and then explain the tweet and then say those things, which I actually really did mean, right? Like, I'm right. not like, yeah, I'm not going to be told that take, I don't mean it. I thought it. you yeah. more so wanted to prove a point because your tweet was, at, so like, I, my bad. I was more so coming at it like he just said that because he was trying to prove him, prove everybody right in what he was saying. Not that you like deeply meant it. That's why I was like, he's just trying to manipulate the situation so he can be right in what he tweeted. I didn't realize it ran that deep. It's not even about being deep and we can move on, but it's not even about being deep. It's just about a precedent where I would come on here and bullshit. Like, I don't need to bullshit. Like, I, I don't need to like, look, like seriously. Like, if I... Well, I don't say you're bullshitting. Well, that's what I it means. Well, well, that's what it means if you're but saying I that I'm manipulating like, I, people. I took it as more playful. Like, you want it, like, you come on here sometimes and we both do it and like, sometimes you just want to say something mm -hmm. to like, for the sake of argument or to, to prove so, so like I didn't realize it was like that deep is what I'm saying. Like I just more so thought you just wanted to prove why you put it up there because people were joking like we yeah. didn't need to hear this. We didn't need to. But it's so you know, I apologize. I didn't realize I wasn't calling you a manipulator. I just thought you, you were really just That's saying. Okay. I, I accept your apology. We can move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No need for a family meeting and to do a whole podcast on it. We can just move well, so on. So right doesn't matter. Here. We just have. Yeah. One. Yeah. We can. We can. We just do it right here. Right. All right. Uh, do you? <laughs> do you? Do you want? Look. You. You're. You're. You look like you look like you're feeling away. I. I think I'm just trying to feel you out. Mm -hmm. Is what I'm thinking. I'm not feeling a nah, certain I'm way. Not, I think I'm just no, a little hold on, confused. Hold on, hold on. No, you don't need I'm to. You like. Confused. You don't. You like. You don't need to feel me out. Like I did not like that. Okay. So, so there's no need. There's there's nothing to feel out. Just so we just so we're on the same page. There's nothing to feel out. I didn't appreciate that. Like and and the re, the the reality is, is it's not even that I'm that serious about it. Is it's not even that. It's just that, to me, what I like, what I don't like, is the only thing that I have really to really fight a lot of things with is our words, right? And we talk about the stuff. And so for me. Just don't take anything that I say to play. When I'm playing, you know that I'm playing. And I tell you that I'm playing. I'm just joking. I say that all the time. So I'm not going to get on here and talk for X amount of time about something like that that I really feel passionately about. And in that, I talked about the fact that, and I'm sure it's being overblown to this point, that part of this has to do with 
what I derive right now as not being able to have this connection with my mom over this portion of her life, right? And I'm talking about that and I'm being serious. Just don't tell me I'm bullshitting. I'll tell you I'm bullshitting. Okay, fair enough. There you go. All right. We do not, I do not have a very serious question of the week. I don't. I think that a lot of questions that are very serious were answered this week. Um, do you have a serious question for me? No. You don't? <laughs> no, I don't have one. I never right. have one usually. All right. Uh, well, that's it. Tell you thing caps off, but do not stop learning. I am Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel Lynn Lindsay. We are out. 